You are listening to Gone But Never Forgotten. Our topics can include, but are not limited to, murder, sexual assault, graphic and gruesome details, and more. These topics are adult in nature and are not meant for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. On the evening of September 3rd, 1996, in Turner Valley, Alberta, a very small town about 70 kilometers southwest of Calgary, 911 calls were made by neighbors who noticed a smoldering fire at a residence nearby. The fire department would come and put out the blaze. Upon the fire being put out, two people were found in the home and they had tragically died. However, upon investigation, it was discovered that the two deceased had in fact not died from the fire and were in fact murdered before the fire was set. This week, we take a close look at the deaths of Jane and Katherine Johnson. And welcome to episode 18 of Gone But Never Forgotten, the story of the unsolved murders of Jane and Katherine Johnson, a mother and daughter who tragically had their lives taken away far too soon in September of 1996. Before we dive into the episode, how are you doing, Lance? As we record this, Christmas is coming, and when the episode goes live, we will have left Christmas in the rearview mirror. Thanks, Julie. I am well. Excited as we ramp up here for Christmas. The gifts are wrapped under the tree. My dad and my stepmom will be here for a few days with us over the holidays, which will be nice. And I'm putting the finishing touches on the menu for Christmas dinner. I'm ready to go. How are you doing? Ready to host our family for a few days? I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm just excited to be, you know, relaxing and eating and enjoying all that. Well, ain't that the truth. With that, let's get into this terribly sad story of the Johnson family. From all accounts, Jane Johnson was one of those salt-of-the-earth types of people. She was known for having a deep love for elderly people, and she even worked within the school board with special needs children, and she was trained in sign language so that she could help teachers to communicate better with students who were handicapped in any way. Friends would describe her as a religious person and say that she was incredibly beautiful inside and out. People said that she touched the lives of virtually everyone that she came into contact with. Jane worked at Millerville Community School in Millerville, Alberta, and also owned a small cleaning company. Katherine Johnson was a bright, vibrant little girl who lit up every single room that she ever walked into. By all accounts, everyone loved young Katherine, and she was very popular at school and in the neighborhood where she lived with her mother Jane. 
Friends and neighbors would say that Catherine was very bright and just an all-around wonderful child. Catherine Johnson was a student at Turner Valley School, getting ready to start grade three. Catherine was living with her mom, her parents having previously been divorced. Her father, Sam Johnson, was very much still a part of Catherine's life from all accounts that we could find, and it seemed that he kept things amicable at the very least between himself and Jane. Jane and Catherine spent a large amount of their time at Jane's fiancé's Henry Reichert's house, and neighbors and friends reported that they actually spent the bulk of their time there, more than they spent time at their home on Royalite Way southeast. In the early morning hours of September 3, 1996, the daughter of the neighbors, the Blakeman family, smelled smoke when she was walking towards her early morning babysitting job. But she said that she noticed that nothing was out of the ordinary and she kept walking. Later, though, just before 8.30 a.m., she noticed that there were flames coming from the house and she saw smoke and 911 was called. Neighbors ran to the house and started to pound on doors and windows to try and notify the family inside that they needed to get out. Not long afterwards, emergency services were on site, led by fire officials at 8.30 a.m., and they were able to extinguish the flames. The fire department determined that the fire had started in a basement room of the house, and eventually word got out that Jane and Catherine had both been found inside the house and tragically both had deceased. From the Calgary Herald on September 4th, daisies and marigolds lay in silent commemoration on the front step of a small Turner Valley bungalow where a mother and her daughter perished after a fire early Tuesday. Jane Johnson, 36, and her eight-year-old daughter Catherine were apparently sleeping as flames smoldered in the basement of their house. The fire alarm was going off. I guess it was too late, said Rob Heister, Turner Valley's fire chief. Officials stated that the bodies of Jane and Catherine had been located within the house and in their beds. The early conclusion was that both had tragically passed away in their sleep from smoke inhalation. The subdivision and the town were completely taken by the tragedy. As mentioned, both Jane and Catherine were viewed by anyone that knew them as wonderful people who were always looking to do well by anyone they came across. Little did everyone know that the tragedy would in fact run so much deeper than a tragic house fire. Obviously, after the fire was taken care of, the bodies were located. Officials on the scene saw enough evidence, though, that was out of the ordinary that they decided to order autopsies on both. It would only take one day for the news to break that this was in fact not simply a case of a tragic house fire, and in fact, Catherine and Jane had been victims of homicide. For the longest time, details were not released on cause of death, but we do know now that Jane was stabbed to death. As far as we can tell, details on the death of Catherine, though, have never been released. The autopsy also found that Jane had been five months pregnant at the time of her death. As you could imagine, when something like this happens anywhere, it causes panic, confusion, frustration, and fear. But when it happens in a small town like Turner Valley, it tends to have two major impacts upon the town itself. 
First, most often when tragedy like this strikes in a small town, you see everyone kind of band together to show support and help in any possible way. But second, especially when you have a case that drags on for weeks, months, years, and in this case now, decades, it tends to make people paranoid, of course. The public knows that two lives were taken well before their time. The public knows that arrests have not been made in the case, and the public also knows that they could very well that could very well mean that the murderer or murderers are still walking and living amongst them. It was definitely that way in Turner Valley. Turner Valley, as mentioned, is a small locale about 70 kilometers southwest of Calgary. Turner Valley was once a booming little town that centered around the Turner Valley oil rigs, and for a period of 30 years, the rigs were the largest producer of oil and gas in the British Empire. In 1930, Turner Valley was incorporated as a village, and 47 years later, in 1977, it was incorporated as a town. As of the 2016 census, the population of Turner Valley had a population of 2,559. As time has gone on, there have been very few updates given to the community at large, and there have been very few movements that we could see on the case. In 2011, Alberta RCMP did announce that a person of interest was actually living in British Columbia. However, aside from that announcement, not too much has been said. The RCMP have said multiple times over the years that there is someone out there that could bring this case to a close. They have appealed to the public many times and do genuinely believe that the crime is one that they could solve if the right piece of information were to be brought to light. In the court of public opinion, and we all know how much I love to talk about that after our last episode, there have been really three main people of interest in the case. The first was Sam Johnson, Jane's ex-husband. The investigators met with Sam many times, and he was indeed cleared in the case. Terry Sutterman, the boarder that was living at the house with Jane and Catherine, was also considered as a suspect. He was not in the house at the time of the fire. He was also cleared by investigators and is no longer considered to be a person of interest in the case. Finally, that leaves her fiancé at the time, Henry Reichert. Interestingly, there was never enough evidence given in the minds of the investigators to publicly clear him of any wrongdoing in the case. Henry said that he was at home at the time of the fire and the murders. He was quoted in the September 26, 1996 edition of the Calgary Herald, quote, The whole thing doesn't seem real yet. You just can't believe that it's happened, or that it's happening to me or to my family. They have talked to me about it, but it's not something that I want to comment on right now. They've been doing their investigations, and I'm not really happy with what they have said to me, but I'll let them do their investigation and let them determine what they want to go public with, unquote. It is definitely strange that the police never cleared his name, right? Strange, yeah, in some ways because they did go public with clearing the other names in the case, but I would assume that that just means that there was no concrete alibi and they simply didn't have enough information to say that he was innocent just like they don't have enough information to say that they have found him, or anyone else for that matter, 
guilty enough to bring them up on charges. Investigators will always have different things that you see across different cases. Another one of the things that stands out is that nobody has ever said how young Catherine met her death. That would likely be held back even after all of these years, just in case someone claimed to know more details. That's a way of corroborating evidence with any reports or um, conversations that come out. That all makes sense. So what are you thinking about this case? The thing that perhaps stands out the most to me is the fact that it almost was certainly a person that killed Jane and Catherine that knew them. The street that the home was on was in a quiet stretch that led to the subdivision that they lived on and a golf course. That's it. This wasn't an area that someone would find themselves in if they didn't mean to be there, likely. In my mind, there are a few things that really do stand out. Perhaps one of the most concerning is the fact that Jane was pregnant. Interestingly enough, it was never spelled out for sure who the father of the child was, although we obviously assume that it was her fiancé. And I do actually believe that this is something that they would know just from forensics and doing autopsy. It's just, it's really heartbreaking when you think about it. This was actually three lives taken, not just two. What are your thoughts on the case, Julie? It's definitely heartbreaking, number one. But also there's just not a lot of information on this one. So I feel like... They're leaving so many questions to be answered. Um, like, as the public, I'm sure as the family, there's just so many things. Like, like how did the bodies get there? How was the door unlocked? Was there any break-in? Like, why was, why was somebody home when the fires happened, but there's no information? Like, there's just a lot of really unanswered questions in this one. Yeah. I mean, what you really have here is a case of someone who... One of the reasons, I guess, that I think that it's probably someone that they know is because, I mean, I think this, obviously they, it's been determined that they were murdered before the fire. So this is someone that thought that they could cover their tracks and this house would burn down and mm-hmm. there'd be no evidence enough to prove that they were, you know, in the case of Jane, stabbed to death. Yeah. Um, you know, because the bodies they were hoping would be burnt so badly that, you know, beyond DNA, that's all they would be able to get. Yeah. So it's just, it's heartbreaking. And I mean, everything I read kind of leads me to believe that the police actually do know who did this. But as any of us that kind of land in the true crime area of life, we know that, you know, it's not as simple as pretty much knowing that you know who murdered them because you've got to prove it. Mm -hmm. You can't bring someone up on murder charges because you're pretty sure it was them. Or else, if evidence comes out later down the line after they're acquitted in trial, obviously they're not going to trial again. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of, you know, it's tough. It's definitely tough. Yeah, for sure. Well, and like I said, like, also, like, does any did anybody else know that she was pregnant? You know, like did her fiance know? Was it someone else? Did any of her family members know? Mm-hmm. Like so many questions that like we just don't have answers to. So I really do hope that there, someone will come forward. Of course, for sure. I mean, twenty five years later, right? It's unlikely, but you know, it's like the police say: someone out there has a clue what happened here. Someone's talked. Someone's listened. So. I guess with that, in closing, we want to make the same appeal that's been made for a long time in this case. If you know anything, anything at all, pick up a phone and make a call. There's a $50,000 reward for any information that leads to an arrest of the guilty person or guilty people. 
Make a call to K Division, Serious Crimes Branch, South Airdrie, at 403-420-4900. Or, of course, call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-TIPS. Let's bring some closure to Jane, Catherine, and everyone everywhere that has been affected by the story. Let's bring the person or people to justice for these two horrible murders before it's too late. If you're listening to this and you know anything, reach out. Consider how you would feel if these were your family members who were murdered in cold blood and how you would feel if there was no justice to be had. We need to work together as a society to get and keep people who are guilty of crimes like this off the street for good. Yes, we do. I think that it's, uh, that's probably as good of a closing as we can possibly get for this episode. Until next time, keep the memories alive and let's all do our part to ensure that Jane and Catherine Johnson, while gone, are never forgotten.